Welcome back to a new episode of The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordea Private Banking. In this episode, we meet a Norwegian entrepreneur who has set out to turn deserts into fertile soil to grow things in. And he's doing it in a way that seems like science fiction. Here's the CEO of Desert Control, Ole Christian Sivertsen. Great to have you on. And I'm super excited to hear about how to spray nano clay on top of desert soil to make it more fertile and be able to grow things. So that sounds like science fiction to me. Yeah, it, uh, it sounded like science fiction to me as well when I first uh, heard about the company and before I joined the company, it was something like, uh, what, what, what's really this? It's like, sounds too good to be true as well, to be able to get these kind of results from something as simple as applying clay to, uh, to desert sand and sandy soils and degraded lands. Uh, but as I started to dive into the science behind it, reading up a bit on you know what types of soil around the world are the soil types that are good on retaining water and nutrients and sort of have high resilience to droughts you quickly figure out that there is something about clay so everywhere you go in the world uh, and you find fertile soils you will find that they have uh, uh, a good content of clay eight to ten to twelve percent of clay and the reason why these type of soils retain water and nutrients better than soils that do not have any clay, like sand and desert, is because there is something called cationic exchange capacity and a surface charge of the clay particles. So if we go back to school and physics, we remember that uh, equal charges will oppose each other, whereas um, opposing charges will attract each other just like a magnet. So the thing about the clay is that it has the opposite surface charge of water uh, molecules, H2O. So they will act like a natural magnet and hold on to that water. So this is why clay is good um, uh, on retaining uh, water and also important ions and cations, nutrients in the soil. But the challenge is to work clay into the soil, right? So, uh, I mean, just think about this lumpy clay material uh, I'm myself, I struggle even when I make a pizza on a Saturday with the kids, you know, to get the flour mixed into uh, into the dough with this doughy thing there. It's like, just imagine trying to replace that flour with sand and have clay worked into it. It's uh, it's not an easy, easy thing. So that's where, where uh, the invention of desert control came in, the ability to liquefy the clay so that you could apply it to the surface and have it percolate into the ground by the force of gravity and then form these bindings, attaching themselves to the sand uh, mineral particles throughout the soil so that you get this uh, structure that retains water and nutrients like a sponge. So the, the clay particles, they attract the, the water and the nutrients. How does it attract the sand particles? Yeah, so that is a, uh, that's something that it doesn't really do in its natural form. Uh, but that's where the nano clay element comes into the picture because we make the, uh, the we, we create a homogeneized liquid where it's no longer just water mixed with clay. It becomes it becomes LNC. It becomes liquid liquid natural clay or liquid nano clay, which is. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when you when you apply these, these tiny, tiny clay particles will be so small and they have a property and ability of actually being able to coat the sand, just like a just like a paint. You know, you you, you just foresee painting each sand um, uh, grain throughout your soil with uh, with this clay paint. 
And then uh, we combine this with a mixture of particles that, uh, that will also form bridges and bindings between the different sand particles throughout the soil. So you get agglomerates and small spaces of, uh, of, uh, of room that can hold both air or water and other things. I mean, if you go to the beach and you take a handful of sand and you try to form it into a snowball or something, that's quite futile. Uh, when you open up your hands, it's just going to disappear like sand again. But when you have these binding structures in uh, a sandy soil with LNC, you will be able to shape it just like dark farming soil or yeah, create a ball out of it. So what's the purpose of this? Why is this so important? This is important because uh, we have a growing population worldwide. We are growing so fast that this planet will need to generate more food in the next 40 years than the planet has produced continuously over the last 500. Now, producing food, that requires water, a lot of water. I mean, if you just look at the water footprint of any food, I mean, they say like a kilo of almonds is like 18,000 liters of water. And you look at the, the spend of fresh water on our planet today, more than 70% of all fresh water on Earth is consumed by agriculture for food production. And at the same time that we, we have this increasing need for food, um, uh, which requires water, we also require uh, fertile lands and soils to, uh, to grow food and have uh, productive agriculture. So what is the situation on, uh, on, on, on land? Well, 12 million hectares of fertile land perish to desertification, uh, due to droughts and overexploitation of the land and, uh, uh, you know, global warming and climate change, etc. every year. And I mean, I, I have to kind of dive a little bit more into this because 12 million hectares per year that's perishing. What, what is that really? Because it's the human brain isn't able to kind of understand these kind of sizes. So I did some math and I tried to compare it with like, what is this compared to a big city? And I tried to say, okay, how much, how many, like, is it like New York City? But it's actually 2,030 times the size of New York City. And if you break it down into the size of football fields, it's 2,000 football fields per hour. So if you were to line up these football fields, the one after the other, you would have to drive at 210 kilometers per hour just to keep up as they turn into desert. And what's happening when fertile soil turns into sand and dust? Well, uh, it will require even more water just to maintain the productivity we have today. We need fertile lands, we need soil and soil health, and we need to conserve water. This is why this is important. And this is why our mission is to make Earth green again by stopping and reversing desertification and degradation of vital topsoil and to reduce the amount of water needed to maintain green ecosystems, to grow food and uh, forests and, uh, and uh, uh, support biodiversity. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, we have a growing population too. Yeah. So, so um, uh, and, and that's why, that's why we, 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 I mean, if you look at water scarcity issues, I think, uh, I think the prognosis of the United Nations is that by 2025 or something like that, 1.8 billion people will be suffering absolute water scarcity. And uh, that's, uh, that's also going to be the biggest limiting factor for food production. I mean, I'm now in, in, in the Middle East. And if we look around here, I mean, I'm, I'm traveling around and I'm visiting farmers and they have, you know, large farms, but they're only running like half of their farm at a time. And I'm asking them, why are, are you doing like crop rotation or what's going on? And they say, no, I don't have more water. I can only actually irrigate half of the land at the time. I don't have water enough to run my entire farm. 
So we see it in places like this, that water is the absolute limitation for food production. And meanwhile, they're spending enormous amounts of, uh, of water on you know, trees and forests and, uh, and, and green areas and landscapes and things like that. So we need to reduce that water and shift it to, to, to food production. Yeah, and I guess your solution here makes it makes way more efficient use of the water that they have. It doesn't just run through yeah, the sand. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. So it's like if you have a, a you know basically a very sandy soil or a degraded soil that's lost its ability to retain the water, it's just going to drizzle through like a sieve. And uh, with uh, the treatment of uh, of applying LNC to the land to enrich it with uh, with uh, uh, this clay, uh, so that you get these uh, the, the coating and these uh, these cationic exchange capacity and the surface charge up to retain the water. You're reducing both the the amount of water that's leaching through, uh, but you're also reducing the evaporation, you know, from the hot surface uh, as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, how do they get the water? Do they desalinate water from the ocean, or do they pull it up from the ground, or where do they get the water? It's a combination. So um, uh, there is a lot of uh, desalination in many. Uh, coastal near countries in the Middle East and in, around uh, Africa and uh, increasing usage of, uh, of desalination. But of course, they're also using uh, uh, groundwater, which is uh, uh, more or less a very slow or, or nearly non-renewable resource. If you, if you deplete them, it's, uh, it's going to be a challenge. And then they're also using for, for areas like uh, you know, forests and trees and uh, and green spaces, uh, uh, TSE or treated sewage water, and reusing water to a to a high degree as well. So there is a there is a combination. But I mean, if you just take the amount of water that a date palm tree, a palm tree, uh, can drink during the the warm summer months, uh, one tree alone needs like two hundred, maybe up to two hundred and fifty liters of water per day. And, and, and there are some very like uh, desert type of crops and desert trees that can be very, very resilient and uh, don't drink so much water, but the, 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 they need at least, even the most resilient species of trees need at least 25 liters uh, of water per day. And if you then see, you know, you have a, a forest of 10 million trees or something uh, somewhere, I mean, just imagine how much that is like, uh, you know, 250 to 270 million liters of water every day just to, 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 to keep that going. And if you can reduce that to half and spend the other half on maintaining another 10 million trees, or you know, um, if you just look at how much water do you need to grow a tomato, I mean, you could probably grow 1.5 million tomatoes, beefsteak tomatoes every day for that amount of water, right? Yeah, and, and your your uh, farmer friend there will be able to irrigate the other half of his land. Absolutely, absolutely. So we we have been doing external validation for uh, a couple of years now, uh, where we work with an independent research organization called ICBA, International Center for Biosaline Agriculture, and they have uh, documented water savings uh, uh, for green ecosystems, green landscapes uh, of forty seven percent by the usage of LNC. Uh, we've seen for agricultural crops, it's a little bit different from uh, you know, um, uh, what uh, a zucchini would require versus a watermelon or a cornfield or, or uh, grains such as pearl millets or wheat and things like that. But we've seen on the different uh, crop types, water and nutrient savings 
in the range between 20 to more than 50%, and also yield increases uh, from 17% all the way up to 62% for certain crops. So, so that's, a, that's a massive impact. And all this is going on in the desert. That's your market. And that means that you have to travel around there too. What's that like to, to basically live in the desert? Well, it's, um, it's quite inspiring to see how extremely uh, you know, challenging conditions a desert actually represents. And to see that it's possible to take something like this in such an uh, unhospitable environment and actually turn it into green and, uh, and make uh, you know, fruits and vegetables and trees and plants grow in this environment. It, it's, really, it's really inspiring to, to be here. I mean, right now, uh, I'm in the Middle East here in the UAE, traveling around uh, in, 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 the, in the region, and we have temperatures already up to 50 degrees. Uh, and, um, you know, the first thing you would think about is make sure that you are protecting yourself against the scorching sun. But it's not just the sun that is scorching. You actually have scorching winds. So some of these trees and plants and crops, it's not the sun that will actually uh, uh, take them out. It's actually they're getting wind burn. Do you spend the most of your time down there or do you ever go back home? No, um, I'm, still, uh, I'm still based in, uh, in Norway. But um, uh, in order to, uh, uh, to grow a business such as this, you have to be close to, uh, to the environment uh, and to where the customers are and uh, where we've been now testing this product for a long time. But I, I also want to um, mention here, like because people think they hear about sort of desert control and LNC and uh, we're all out in the deserts and growing food in the desert and planting trees in the desert, these kind of, these kind of things. And some people say, are, 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 you, are you out to eradicate deserts? And that's, that's absolutely not our mission. All right, so um, uh, deserts are also extremely complicated ecosystems that we need to have uh, respect for. So our mission is not to eradicate the deserts of the world, but it's to stop deserts from spreading. This desertification, this uh, uh, 210 kilometers per hour of football fields uh, turning from fertile land into uh, sand and dust, right? So in order to really validate and test our technology we needed to do that in the most challenging environment where where, where we could think of right with uh, sandstorms and the, the scorching sun and winds and uh, flash rains from time to time so in order to to really test out the technology so that's why we started in in the uae and uh, and uh, our mission is, uh, is is really to 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 make sure we can stop and reverse the desertification and the degradation of vital topsoil how close are you to have a commercial product that you that will scale and that you sell? We um, spent the majority of 2018, 2019 into 2020 on external independent validation. Uh, before you really scale up uh, big time, you want to make sure that everything that uh, the founding team and uh, uh, the company itself has developed and tested is also validated externally. It, it's, uh, it, it's really important also to gain credibility from investors to be able to fund this, etc. So uh, we uh, validated this for green landscapes and for agriculture through uh, 2019 and into 2020. Through 2020, primarily focused on agriculture. 
we raised um, uh, some uh, uh, funding, additional funding at the end of 2019 in order to start then based on the very, very positive validation reports that we had to see is it, is it scalable what we're doing? You know, you can imagine when you're uh, creating particles that are so small that you can kind of paint a, a tiny, tiny grain of sand with, uh, with this clay, then it's, uh, it's like splitting the atom, right? It's like you're down to nanoparticle management. And we had this small reactor technology to process and create this liquid, and it wasn't able to produce a volume, right? So what we needed to figure out through 2020 was, is it possible to produce large volumes in a cost-effective way with, uh, with this? With the um, uh, funding that we raised then at the end of 2019, we uh, continued our engineering processes. And at the end of 2020, we uh, had, uh, let's call it the factory acceptance test of our first uh, uh, industrial prototype uh, for volume production of uh, LNC that went into testing uh, in the first quarter of this year and uh, very good results. Now we, we, at that point, we said, yeah, now we know that we can scale this. We have a, a clear pathway to producing large quantities um, with mobile factories that can produce the LNC out in the field. And we have the validation for agriculture and, uh, and uh, green landscapes and uh, tested this for forests and trees, et cetera. So now we are ready to, uh, to start to scale up with building uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, production equipment to move onwards to commercial deliveries. And now we um, are at the stage where we have uh, the second generation of the um, uh, industrial prototype um, uh, ready. And uh, based on that, we have a pathway now to into the uh, third and fourth quarter here of the year to uh, to have full scale production rigs to uh, to go commercially and start to scale out. What are the next big steps? What do you think this will be in ten years? Uh, ten years is, uh, is is a long way out, of course. Uh, uh, but I think it's uh, it's also coming at us very very quickly because there is a lot of uh, I mean uh, you know. Uh, 12 million hectares lost per year over another 10 years. And if it's even accelerating, I mean, we need to move fast and we need to make huge achievements uh, in that time frame. Right now, our decision has been to start out with uh, like a, a direct to customer delivery model for um, our uh, service. So we're delivering like turnkey projects of treating land and restoring and, and protecting land for, uh, for clients. And it takes a long time to scale something like that organically, right? Um, uh, but we are gathering data and building algorithms in order to be able to automate and scale up much, much faster. I say that a technology that requires either a user manual or intensive user training uh, is not scalable. And any technology will be a little bit like that in the beginning, right? But we cannot sit around and wait and develop and, and over-engineer things to perfection before we go to market. So we are going to market with, uh, with a product while it's still semi-manual to operate, which means that it's going to require uh, our own people and our own skilled operators to operate the equipment and to deliver the projects while we're working with automation and digitalization to simplify these processes, to automate these processes so that they become possible to scale through uh, indirect channels.
So, so that's what I foresee, you know, in, in, in such a time frame is uh, we're getting traction now in the first uh, year and two with uh, a direct to market uh, approach, building the platform for an in uh, direct uh, channel model of this, where it could scale through partnerships, it could scale through, uh, you know, value added resellers, distributors, or even franchise models. And when you get to that stage, uh, that's when you can truly have exponential growth, right? Where you can launch a number of business units uh, in parallel around the globe, and each and every one of them can grow in size. And then as they uh, multiply in numbers and each of them growing in size, this is how we envision to 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 accelerate the re-greening of uh, the decertificated areas on Earth. I mean, this is all super impressive. I feel great hope. I think this will be something very interesting to follow. And uh, I also know that you're a very busy man saving the planet. So I will want to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, come on the show. No, I thank you. Uh, and thanks for, uh, for uh, inviting me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm, I really appreciate it. And uh, the fact that you are putting the spotlight on the problems that we are trying to solve is very valuable. And uh, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I say uh, that the solutions that we are trying to solve are things that are happening out of sight, out of mind. It's uh, happening underneath our feet. Uh, our soil is getting thinner and thinner from underneath and it's spread, spread all around the world. So nobody really sees, you know, 2000 football fields of fertile land disappearing because it is so scattered, right? Uh, uh, and that's why I truly appreciate initiatives like what you are doing here, where we can put a spotlight on these important challenges because we have to address these challenges and we're going to need uh, you know a lot of innovations uh, uh, in terms of water technologies soil technologies and other areas to make sure that we have uh, food for the future we have water and ha address water scarcity and biodiversity uh, restoration around the world uh, so uh, yeah it's an honor to be here oh, thank you so much and i hope i talk to you soon likewise okay, thank you very thank much you.